everybody, welcome back to Broncos Europe. Uh, great to have Colin here as well with a guest from Sky Sports Day. We've had Neil Reynolds on, we've had Jeff Rangel on, so it really makes sense that we have Richard Graves on. Richard, absolute pleasure to have you on, man. How's it going? Yeah, great to be invited on. Great to follow in the footsteps of two such illustrious people, although Jeff, I believe at the moment, is still practicing it. He's surfing over there in Hawaii, he can't get out. And uh, the last time I checked, Neil was still riding his preview being held up by Bill Belichick signings. I have to say, if anybody hasn't seen that, Neil Reynolds had a whole preview going and obviously Cam Newton ruined it for him and Richard got him back today with that incredible reply, man. 10 out of 10. <laughs> well, it was one of those moments you catch it. It, it. My feed had said he'd only been posted for 54 seconds. So strike while the iron's hot. I've got no <laughs> doubt he'll get me back at some point in the near future. <laughs> Richard, it's been quite the off-season in the, the NFL. I mean, usually things get pretty quiet uh, between the Super Bowl and the draft, and then there's another dip um, before preseason starts. But there's been a lot happening this off-season. What, what are your thoughts on what's been going on so far? Well, wh- where do we start? Um, go all the way back to, to March, which seems like a lifetime ago now, and the news that Tom Brady was finally leaving New England to go and join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then you hear that Gronk's coming out of retirement to join him down there as well. The fans in Tampa go mad and bookmakers have them right up there amongst the favourites to, to make it to the Super Bowl. That's a whole other story that we can discuss a little bit later on, if, if you like. The, the draft, all credit to, to the NFL. They, they can be, and I mean this in the nicest possible sense, they can be stubborn and pig-headed uh, sometimes when they set their hearts on doing something uh, and right from the go Roger Goodell was come what may the NFL draft will go ahead and fair play he was proven right with that decision I think uh, the ratings and reaction uh, bore that out uh, once the draft went ahead in, in its virtual form um, from there obviously the, the Black Lives Matter demonstrations, uh, protests against social injustice uh, and obviously going all the way back to Colin Kaepernick's um, initial protest taken in the national anthem has become centre stage, and rightfully so, uh, I, th- I should point out. Uh, and we've seen a sea change in the NFL stance uh, on these issues that, if you'd asked me two or three months ago, I could never have foreseen coming. And what we've seen, um, both from the public and the players involved as well, the social media video, the response from Roger Goodell, which I, I'm fairly confident I can say was done without consulting the the other 32 NFL owners, which if it's not unprecedented, I can't tell you of any occasion such a decision of that magnitude has been taken without consultation. So yeah, it's been a, a remarkable off-season so far. We're still not at the end of it. Uh, and fingers crossed, we hope that we will get a season starting on schedule and that all starts with training camp at the end of July, but uh, we've got a long road to, to travel just yet. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, you've literally hit the nail on the head there, man. It's crazy to think that we're well, three or four months out since this all started, you know, COVID-19, and the amount of stuff that's happened in the NFL is crazy. And I know you're, you're usually seen on Sky Sports News from February to September, maybe in rugby, rugby league, or even football, for example. But now you're back in the football uh, frame of mind for the NFL. It's crazy. And for us, uh, for me and Colin, Brady going to the Bucks on St. Patrick's Day was probably one of the worst days of our life. Uh, lockdown, couldn't get out of the house, and Brady thinks, right? Well, it was sort of good, but it was sort of like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the whole Tampa Bay talk is something that we can probably talk about in a little while as well. Um, one thing for us, though, that does really hit home, Richard, is the uh, 
the cancellation of the London games, which is completely understandable. But I mean, we, we can all talk about it now. Like we we heard in December, it was going to be the Falcons against the Broncos. Uh, I mean, what a game for London to have. Like, uh, just just your opinion, Richard, on the cancellation of London games and maybe the steps forward from there, I guess. Yeah, look, it, it's unfortunate, you know, given the momentum that the NFL's built up over the years, the popularity of the London games, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium coming online to complement Wembley as well. But let's be honest, guys, that there was no other option, realistically, from the NFL's perspective. Just the logistics involved amidst the pandemic issues as well it, it made no sense to try and stretch yourself look if we're talking quite frankly now we don't even know right now that the season will start scheduled on September the 10th there is a number of contingencies built into that schedule which gives the NFL flexibility to to push the start date start date back reduce the number of games if needs be move the Super Bowl if you if that's the foundation you're starting from to then try and extend yourself to the extent that you'll have seven teams traveling to the UK, two more teams going to, to Mexico, uh, trying to, to negotiate um, the different restrictions from country to country. You know, it's different states to state in America before you start going outside the, the borders. I think it was a sensible move um, pragmatically for, for the NFL to make. Yes, everybody, every NFL fan in the UK and Europe would like the games to, to be on and have the chance to see competitive NFL action uh, this autumn. But long, long term um, in mind, big picture, I think it was the right move. Yeah, we, we can understand. I mean, obviously, look, being Broncos fans, hadn't been over in a decade. We had been pretty excited, but um, we, we hope that they'll be back in the, in the not-too-distant future. And you said there, um, you know, there's the possibility, I suppose, of different contingencies within um, the, the league and what might happen. And I suppose we've already seen the cancellation of, you know, the, the, the Hall of Fame induction and the Hall of Fame game. And what do you think will be, I suppose, the impact of COVID-19, particularly on the off-season? I mean, we just a couple of weeks ago, we saw Brady throwing the ball around with, with his new teammates. And all of a sudden, Florida's shut down all, all over again. Well, Let's start with that, if you like. I mean, Tom Brady made light of it at the time, but he went to try and practice in a public park and got kicked out by the authorities because he was breaking rules in Florida. And look, because of the pandemic, the OTAs haven't happened. Um, rookie camp, rookie training camp hasn't happened. Everything's been virtual. You heard Sean McVay at the, um, at, at, in LA basically cancelling um, scheduled workouts and saying, look, guys, you, you go away and send all the Rams players off with their playbooks. And that was it. We'll break up and try and reconvene. Everybody's got their eyes on the official start of training camp at the end of July. That's a big date now for two teams because it'll be the first real opportunity that coaches have had to get their hands on players, see them up close, the eyeball test. All of this has gone in, the, in this offseason and do not underestimate how big that is. If you're a rookie coming into the NFL, even if you're a free agent joining a new team, you haven't had a chance for your quarterback to throw to your new receivers. If you're a rookie, fine, you can look at the playbook, but you haven't been able to get your, to know your new teammates, speak to the coaches, change the mechanics. All these little things add up to a big thing. So if you go into September the 10th and somehow the NFL get the season away on time and you're 
your Justin Herbert say it's going to be a baptism of fire stepping from college football into the NFL with no real practical experience at all under your belt and there'll be some veteran pass rushers that are just licking their lips at the opportunity to get hold of you. Yeah, it's going to be, if we get to September the 10th, that first, I think that's the Thursday night game, was it the Chiefs against the Ravens? That's going to be a, yep. an interesting prospect. And look, I'm very optimistic. We obviously want Chiefs to see Chiefs Texans, I think it was meant to be. Is that Chiefs right? Chiefs Texans, my bad, sorry. I'll, I'll be in work and I'll, 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 well, I'll probably will watch it, let's be honest, coffee a.m. the next morning. <laughs> but um, look, seriously though, like if there's no, like we're sitting here, we're, what, we're 28, 29 days out from the start of training camp. There's a whole situation here in which, you know, if it goes ahead and half the state's, I like we we've had a few guys on Richard that have talked about the potential uh, postponement of the start of the season. That, that that's the reality. They have got a month and a half between the Super Bowl and the draft to potentially do that, and we'll see what happens. One thing though, Richard, that I want to bring up, um, Neil Reynolds was on the show. I think it was just before, or just after the draft as well. I can see Colin smiling already, and he was digging through luck. And then yesterday, he basically announced his top five. Uh, I think players going into the second season didn't see Drew Locke. Just wonder what your opinion is maybe on Drew Locke and, and the Broncos' offense and prospects for the season, Richard. Well, well, I can tell you that up there in Denver, they're excited about Drew Locke. A big smile on your face, I see there. That's good. Um, I, I had a number of chats with James Palmer, a colleague that works over at NFL Network, who's based out of, lives in Denver, um, very close to the organization. Uh, and John Elway and his team are, are pinning their their flag to the, the mast, so to speak, when it comes to Drew Locke. And you, you, you look at the acquisitions they've made this offseason, especially in the draft as well, the weapons that they've got around him. They, they feel good about him. They feel good about his potential, what he's going forward. And they feel that they're building an offense that can be potent once again, more than anything we've seen since that Super Bowl run. And, of course, you go back to Super Bowl 50 and Peyton Manning was – in the twilight of his career, and it wasn't the most potent offense back then, but certainly 12 months before that, they were setting records. Um, you remember the, the run they had to meet Seattle in the Super Bowl back in 2014 in New York? Um, but yeah, I, I can tell you that everybody around that's closely associated with Denver's excited about what he brings to the team, his leadership uh, skills as well, and, and they think that they've got something special there. So um, I, I'll convey your, your words to of uh, distrust and disquiet to, to Neil, but uh, but yeah, rest assured that everybody that matters around Denver is pretty pleased. Well, certainly at Broncos Europe, we are pretty high on, on Drew Locke and, and the Broncos and what we think they can do, um, you know, in the, the coming season. But I suppose, Richard, we'd be interested in hearing Broncos are in one of the most interesting divisions and uh, we, you know, I mean, the Chiefs, uh, we, we've said it before, if, if we emptied our wallets, uh, we'd have about as much money as they do in cap space. They're going all in on that Patrick Mahomes window. The Raiders now, I mean, you know, brand new stadium. Um, you, you'd expect them to be better given what they, they have done in the draft. And well, the Chargers, you, you mentioned, you know, defensively, the Chargers look like an excellent team, but they have that question at quarterback. What do you think of the AFC West? Uh, I think it's a good di uh, division. Um, obviously, you've got Super Bowl champs there. Sorry, guys, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and if you're asking me right now, Close your ears, Broncos fans. The Chiefs are my favourites to go back to the big dance oh, again in 2020. But look, <laughs> um, it's been really interesting looking at what the, the teams in the AFC West have done. They've obviously seen the success offensively that 
the Chiefs have had with a mobile quarterback and this offensive weapon in, in Tyreek Hill that you can move all around the field. Uh, and you look at, like I say, what, what happened in the draft and the Broncos, everybody talks about Jerry Judy, who we'll get onto in a minute, but KJ Hamler, he, he's a, a speedster and he can bring them that, that um, deep threat, if you like. Again, you look at what the Oakland Raiders did, taking Henry Ruggs III. I will tell you that he was not my top wide receiver on that draft board. But again, they've gone for speed. It's the old Al Davis mantra of speed kills. Uh, and then you look at the LA Chargers. Well, defensively, yeah, they, they might be up there with one of the best in, in the league, a top 10 defense. But I'm not sold on Justin Herbert. I think taking him where they did was a reach. Um, if he'd been, if he'd entered the draft 12 months earlier, I heard some analysts say that he might not have made it um, out of out of the draft class before the sixth round. So, and, and the concern about him as well is that he has all the intangibles. You look at what you want in an NFL quarterback, and he looks like that man. But the times at Oregon, he had the chance to push the ball downfield, and he never did it. Maybe this changes as he learns and matures. I don't know, but um, I, there's question marks over Justin Herbert. Sure. And then they made the trade with the New England Patriots to get Kenneth Murray. Again, I don't think he was the best linebacker on, on the board at that time. They, they could have got Patrick McQueen, who was still there. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting division. I think it'll be competitive. I do like the Chiefs. I have to say that they're the team to beat. They hold the Lombardi trophy. But if they're not on their game, then in the Broncos and the Raiders, they probably have competition. It's interesting what you said there, Richard, I suppose, in relation to Justin Herbert, because prior to we, we Michael and I were, were big on, on Drew Locke coming into that draft. And but all the talk had been that um, John Elway was absolutely smitten by Herbert. And I can see what you're saying. I suppose for us, the worry was he was a bit like the, the Paxton Lynch. He had all the tools that you that you want, all the all the physical attributes and as Broncos fans, we know we know Gareth Bowles is another sort of player who has all the physical attributes, but it's that the intangible side of the game, the mental side of the game, the making the step from college into the NFL. And I'm I'm fascinated to see how Herbert does at the Chargers. And Michael, what are what are your expectations for the the 2020 season? What what are you looking forward to? Well, I've said. I've said before, Richard, that we're probably realistically going to go nine and seven for the season. Column reckons that we're going to go ten and six. I think the Broncos eventually do get a win over Kansas City this season, whether it's in Denver or whether it's in KC. It comes down to that. There, I'm hoping KC have a bit of a hangover. I'm not going to lie, like from this season, I don't rate the Chargers whatsoever. But the Broncos, if they can get a few early results, they've got the Steelers, they've got Brady and the Bucks coming to Denver. Brady hasn't got a, well, okay, he's won the last couple of games, but he hasn't got a fantastic reputation slash record in Denver. So it's going to be interesting what happens. I, I, I can't see why the Broncos can't have at least a wild card place in this, year's, in this year's playoffs because they've got that offensive youth there. They've got Bradley Chubb coming back from injury. So I would say don't sleep on us too much. I, I, know, I know the odds are quite slacked against us when it comes, especially the bookies over here, and it comes, when it comes to the Super Bowl, but there's no reason why this team can't make at least a bit of a playoff run and we can see what happens over the next uh, over the next six to 12 months, God willing, that we have a season. Richard, um, you have obviously met a number of very interesting people in your time at Sky Sports and the NFL. I can see you've met... Mr. Goodell, and you've met a number of people. I mean, you're, you're the guy at all the Super Bowls doing the coverage for Sky Sports. Um, 
just I guess what would be your best memory from your time at Sky so far you know and is there anything interesting you can tell us about our dear friends uh, Mr. Reynolds Mr. Reinbold Mr. Gill for example (laughs) (laughs) um Jeff won't thank me for this but uh, I can tell you that um a couple of Super Bowls ago when it was held in Minneapolis uh, and that that is the coldest I've ever been at the Thursday before the Super Bowl. I think that the temperature hit minus 35, minus 36 degrees Celsius. And it was the same day as, uh, I don't know if you recall it, but they had what they called the Super Bowl zip line that went across the Mississippi there in Minneapolis. Uh, and it's like 100 feet in the air or something ridiculous. And I'd convinced Neil and Jeff to come on this and we'd, do, we'd film it and it'd be a quirky piece for, for sports news in the build up. Uh, and we're walking up the stairs. They've shut, shut off the whole zip line. Think it opened a fish at two o'clock and said, you get on at 1.30, there'll be no one else on. Um, ca- cameramen were, were there literally with hands freezing on, on the buttons on the cameras trying to fil- film us. And we saw one of the um, Super Bowl stewards that are there to assist you. He had a beard, literally icicles forming on, on his beard. Jeff didn't know what, what had hit him. He's, he's not a cold weather guy, uh, Jeff, but Anyway, we got, we got them through that. I don't think they appreciated me setting it up for that day. And then uh, on the Saturday night, you have an evening meal. Right. Everybody know what they're doing tomorrow. Fine. We'll, we'll be up and going and get a good night's sleep. We, we woke up the next morning and met downstairs for breakfast. Uh, and in minus 36 degrees Celsius, Jeff had suddenly gone about three shades I don't know where he found the sun from in Minneapolis on that particular 12-hour period overnight, but he had a tan to die for on that day. So I think it's fairly safe to say it's not all natural occasionally when it comes to Jeff's sunstand. But like I say, that's one thing you probably won't thank me for pointing out. But yeah, Minneapolis is, in terms of Super Bowl experience, because of weather and everything, is something else. I remember seeing locals literally walking one local was walking down the high street in a t-shirt and shorts uh, and members pulling me over and saying can we have a word yeah. what are you doing this is freezing they just turned around and said this isn't cold man you, until you've experienced 40 below with the wind howling in off the river you haven't experienced cold and, and off he went on his way just unbelievable um so yeah for for conditions minneapolis certainly sticks out um for for Super Bowl atmosphere, uh, two stick out. My first one, which is in New York, uh, when the Seahawks, sorry guys, o- overcame the Broncos. Uh, and I'd always been told it's nothing like a normal NFL game. A lot of VIPs there, no real atmosphere. Well, the Seahawks fans brought the noise um, that, that night. That was something to behold. And then this year, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs getting back there and the 49ers fans coming in. That was a game that lived up to all the hype, which doesn't doesn't often happen. So... So, yeah, in terms of, of Super Bowl experiences, uh, they stand out. And then in personal experiences, I remember going up to Denver after you'd won the Super Bowl, uh, ready for the opening night when you played the Carolina Panthers. And the day before, I, I got to um, put on the, the Super Bowl 50 winners ring with Von Miller inscribed on it and a score on the inside. Um, that, that was quite something. And then uh, a year or two later, uh, this man behind me, Robert Kraft, invited me into his office up there in Foxborough uh, and he produced the, their winner's ring from Super Bowl 51, uh, which had 286 diamonds, you know, 283 diamonds to remind everybody of the score 
that they, they trailed by at one point in the game. And he just said, there you go, put it on. It is the biggest, heaviest thing I've ever put on a hand. Um, but yeah, you know, those are sort of moments that you don't expect um, and you'll probably never get a chance to, to do again. So yeah, definitely very privileged uh, and things that definitely stand out. Definitely jealous of that, man, I have to say. And I, I, I remember actually right enough, just very similar, somebody in Denver, I don't think, I haven't told you this, Colin, someone, I was at a, a game and one of the staff had the ring from Super Bowl 50 and they let me try it on as well. It's heavy as anything. I got a picture of it, so I'll try and send it to you later on, Colin. But definitely, go, obviously going from, from Denver in 50 to the dark side in 51, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm sure Mr. Kraft was a nice guy. <laughs> we went to the game that season. I think it was a the season they won that. And my friend, who's a Patriots fan, Craft passed one of the rings around as well. And he said it was like heavy as anything. Um, you can't wear it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it is, honestly, it is that big. You, you could never wear it. Um, but, you know, every, every year that goes by, teams feel they've got to outdo the, the winners the previous year. Um, <laughs> you, you see that picture that Tom Brady puts up with six Super Bowl rings on? That, again, ridiculous. And hopefully he'll never have another one to add to that. But that's a different conversation <laughs> for a different day, Richard. Um, look, I guess the one thing I wanted to add as well, and it's, it is an obvious point, but you almost have that different role with Sky because you're mainly on Sky Sports News a lot. So you have that, you're technically facing an audience that might not actually have an interest in the NFL. So is there anything that you, that you do to maybe try and entice them to actually watch it? Or is it very much you're just you're actually reporting on it? that's a really good question. And believe it or not, it's something we're really conscious of. So um, obviously when I'm on with Jeff, Neil, the guys on the show, your viewers, your audience are into the NFL. They support their own teams. They know what the game is about. So that then the way you talk and discuss what you're seeing in front of you, you can be much more detailed, much more technical and chat like we're doing now. When you're previewing stuff and doing build up for Sky Sports News, it's about, grabbing people's interest you know quite often uh, the majority of our viewers on sky sports news uh, are football fans they're premier league teams that they support and if unless it's a really big game it's probably not going to prick their interest so for example when when you're in miami um we we took a, a one of these boat trips out and you see people on these water jets and you go past david beckham's house and you see jerry jones's huge yacht 100 foot yachts or something ridiculous um and you want things like that that grab somebody's attention because people want to be wowed and if they're wowed then they'll show an interest and might well come and watch equally like i say when we're in minneapolis they watch you and think what's that madman doing at minus 36 degrees celsius zip lining across a frozen mississippi river at 100 feet so you, you do look for things that stand out big names um, that, that are interested. Yeah, Harry Kane came to the Super Bowl when he was in, in Atlanta um, as a Patriots fan. And he's been, you know, rehabbing an injury in the Caribbean and suddenly turns up. It, interesting story about that. There was a, a fan park just outside um, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in, in Atlanta. And uh, one of the NBA stars is coming through with Harry Kane. And he's used, obviously, to being recognised. And they're going through his rammed fan park. And everybody's stopping this NBA player and Harry Kane pretty much got to, to walk through. And you, you saw him look around a little bit. What's going on here? I think he probably enjoyed it. Um, but he, he told me before that, that that was the first um, game he'd been to in the States. And then you see later in the night, he's involved in the 
Patriots Super Bowl winners party and he's got the Lombardi trophy with him. And I tell you what, that you talk about experiences, your first game in the States, the Super Bowl, and your team wins and you go to the after party. That's not a bad experience, is it? No, that's that's pretty sweet. It's it's funny, uh, Richard. You were talking about Minneapolis as someone who has in-laws uh, in in and around the, the city and who has been over there in the winter time. I can empathize and I can say, yeah, they they walk around in shorts and t-shirts, and I it's it's unbelievable. But that stadium, the new stadium there, um, it is it's absolutely incredible to to go from that sort of weather outside to going inside, and it, it's almost tropical. Uh, it's quite something but um we can't let you go without mentioning that uh tim tebow book that uh you have there over <laughs> over your shoulder <laughs> because uh obviously uh you know um the in terms of his, his certainly his nfl career uh it is synonymous with his time at the at the broncos and uh you know particularly for us that throw to demirius uh, uh, thomas uh, to beat the steelers the walk-off win I suppose, t- tell us about your interest in Tebow. Uh, do, do you know what? Honestly, um, I had no idea who Tim Tebow was. I had a friend who was a, a Gators fan, and she raved uh, about this guy, Tim Tebow. He's going to be the next big thing in, in the NFL. He broke all these records. He was, the, you know, everything you'd want for, from the face of your, your, your team, if you like. And they, they won national championships. And he, I only really started looking into him when he was eligible for the, for the draft. And you guys will remember all the hype surrounding him. The problem was all the scouts said he, he doesn't have the mechanics to be successful in the NFL. The cast, that is, here's the most successful quarterback in college football history. The NFL have got to fi- find a place for him. And of course, it was your guys, the Denver Broncos, that took the punts on him amid much hysteria and excitement. It, Obviously, we all know how the story unfolded and never quite worked out. But it, for anybody that doesn't know the Tim Tebow story and how it went down with, with, uh, with the Florida Gators, how, how he won that playoff game summed the man up. He, he, he was just one of these guys that, despite everything, found a way to win against all the odds. Um, and, and that was the, the stuff of fairy tales that, that night when he... Uh, through that pass and like I say it's a walk-off touchdown and he became an instant hero in Denver and regardless of what went before what went after I don't think that's changed certainly judging by the smile on on your faces yeah um it was a it was a crazy night I'm sure Colin would agree it was absolutely nuts uh look Richard I feel like you're you're the sort of you've been brilliant and you're the sort of guest that we could on for we could have on for four or five hours just talking football do you know what I mean it's been that easy one thing I will say is to anybody watching this Richard has a number of things behind him there Dallas Cowboys, I can see that. Decide how many mess. It's all good. Apart from the Chiefs thing behind your head, obviously from the Super Bowl in Miami, which looked absolutely crazy, man. That whole week, the Fox had up the works. It just looked nuts. So we're very, very jealous. I'll, I'll say this: so you're, I, I, um, as, I, as I said before, um, quite quite often we're all about hyping up the the main event, and that was no different this year. The 49ers and their their defense against Patrick Mahomes, the next big thing in the NFL, rarely. Does a game live up to it? I, I, you won't thank me for reminding you of this, but like I said, that first Super Bowl I did in, in New York, the number one ranked defense of Seattle against the number one ranked yeah. offense. How does Seattle stop the, the Denver offense and the juggernaut that broke all records that year? And it, it ended up being a blowout. It wasn't a game that lived up to, to the expectations. This time around, though, this game had everything in Miami. It, it even had 
for the third straight playoff game, the double-figure deficit for the Kansas City Chiefs. And when they needed it most, Patrick Mahomes found a way to get his main threat, Tyree killing the game. And from the moment he completed that pass on third and 15, I think it was, I'm not saying this after the event in hindsight. I said it at the time, this game's over right now. Which and people around me are like, what do you want about ludicrous? <laughs> you could feel a palpable change in the momentum in that game. If the Broncos get off the field at that point, they probably see it out. The fact they didn't was an absolute backbreaker. And then you have the questionable touchdown that scored um, to to put the Kansas City Chiefs um, ahead. And you know, and then Jimmy G misses a wide open Emmanuel Sanders, uh, and the rest is history, as they say. But it, it, of the games I've seen, I've done seven now. Um, that was the best Super Bowl for pure excitement and living up to expectations without a doubt. And we will definitely be happy to be interns for yourself, me, me, me and Colin, next time. Uh, Richard, <laughs> you, we'll, we'll happily make you and Neil tea or coffee, whatever, just whatever you need. Uh, man, absolute pleasure having you on. I'm sure like, if, you're, if you're up for it, we'll, we'll get you on during the season to talk a little bit about Cam sure, anytime. and Tom and this interest in prospect. No one's talking about Judy and Drew, so we'll see what happens. No, look, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, Richard. And... Uh, Thank you for everything you do for the NFL and UK and Europe as well. And it's, it's just been a pleasure having you on. A pleasure, guys. Let's do it again sometime soon. Brilliant. Thank you.